Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Ryan Wilk. I'm a partner here at Ready Newman PC. I'm filling in today for Rahul, um, who's out, I think, having a little fun. So good on him. Um, so we'll go ahead and get started. I think our first question is from Ravina. Um, are you there, Ravina? Ravina? Yes, I'm. Hi. Um, so I understand um, you, uh, you know, have an H4 and H4 EAD pending and for uh, you know, for a certain reason, you want to have that sent to a different address. Um, you can uh, if you have the case number. So, like you say, you have the case number. Uh, I'm guessing that's the H4 and the H4 EAD, like receipt yes. numbers. Yeah, the receipt yeah, numbers. Yeah, and so what you could do um, one is you know, it's called an AR11. Uh, it's free to file online. You can do it yourself. You don't you don't need an attorney. Um, what you would do is just Google AR11. Um, mm-hmm. It'll take you to USCIS's website. You'll, you can create an account um, yeah. in there, and then that's where you'll be able to do the address change. The AR11 is the formal way that you change your address with USCIS. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, on any formal, uh, on any pending cases, uh, that should send whatever you ask them it should send over to the new address. Um, that's really the only way to go about it. Uh, maybe you could send a letter like uh, on your um, receipt notice, if you have it, uh, the 797 oh, receipt I don't notice. Have on that the... Okay. The, yeah, okay. I don't have uh, Do you know what thing... your receipt number is? Uh, what yes, what is I the have... first three letters? Do you know what the yes, first three yes. letters are? Yeah. yeah. What... Uh, it's Can you from tell that, me that? L-I-N. Okay. Okay. No, that's perfect. Okay. Uh, so what you could do is just write a simple letter um, to the, the Nebraska office. Say, hey, you know, I have a pending H4 and H4 EAD. Uh, I did an AR-11, but, you know, I, I have a pending case. I just want to update you guys. Here's my new address. When you approve my case, can you send anything there? And they should do that. That's the informal way. So first and foremost, do the AR-11. Um because you should do that no matter what when you change addresses. Oh. And this is definitely the best way to get the stuff sent to the new okay. place. Uh, but and then to take question, an additional proactive step. Go ahead. No, go U- ahead. On the USAI uh, website, there is like a link called change of address. So that doesn't work. If I go through that, there's a form. That should be the AR11. That Whatever that link. I'm not sure the link that you're speaking about, but I'm it's a pretty USCI. confident as COA, change of address. I'm going to Google that and see. When I try to check my status, it says if you have moved somewhere, you can mm-hmm. a change of address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking at it quickly. So yeah, if, if you kind of click through the links that are there, it's eventually going to take you to a page that says you, you either do it through your online existing account or you mm-hmm. do an AR11. 
And so for me, like do the AR11, that's going to be the way that you go about it. Okay. Online uh, address, I don't have and the account I don't have. So maybe. Yeah. Just create the AR11. And when you do that, they're probably going to ask you to create an account anyways. So for you, it'll be kind of two birds with one stone. One, you'll create an account and then two, you'll be able to do the AR11. Okay. So I can create a new account based on this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. You should be able to. Yeah. Of course. Vipul. Uh, Vipul. Yeah, hi. Uh, yeah. Hi. So this is regarding the um, the new Canadian H one H one B open work permit. So basically, I have mm -hmm. uh, I I one forty approved, and my priority date date is uh, May twenty twenty one. So I just wanted to know if I move out of the country, uh, suppose I look for a Canadian Canadian option, uh, will I can can I like in the future can can I come back again or not? Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, essentially, the I-140 that you've got means that you can always extend your H-1B that you've got for three years. And so no matter what, until your priority dates come current, you'll essentially be able to reuse your, your H-1B. And so um, as long as you have a, a sponsor, as long as you have a valid visa, um, the H-1B and your entitlement to use an H-1B isn't going to go away. Okay, so in in in, in case uh, my H one B has expired, uh, but I still have the I one forty approved, I can come back later on and I can use that previous I one forty approval, right? Yeah, you would likely have the new employer, or it can be your old employer, but I'll just call them the new employer. Uh, they would do the H one B for consular processing. Once it gets approved, you go for the stamping, like you've probably done before, uh, and then you come back in on H one B, and it should be good for three years. Okay, got it. Yeah, thank you. Okay, well, thank you. Radhika, <clears throat> Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, hi, hi. So I I was on H1B before. Um, I traveled and while coming back, I used our GC, um, you know, EAD slash AO, mm -hmm. AOS to come back. And still, I mean, it is still in the process, right? Um, and um, um, I am actually... Um, I changed my company this year in the month of January and used my new uh, GC EAD. And since the GC is still in uh, process, I would like to, uh, you know, go back on H4. My husband is on H1. So I would like to go back on H4 just for the safety, you know, not sure, uh, you know, if, if the um, uh, GC process got rejected for some reason or whatnot, I just wanted like, you know, to go back on H4 so that at least I have a, I have a backup plan. So what are my options? Okay. I want to ask a couple questions just so I get a full background on what you guys are dealing with. Did your husband, um, did he file his GC with you? Yes. You were, you were, you were the principal on that case? No, he is a principal. Okay. Okay. So um, before I was then, on so... H4, before I was on mm -hmm. H4 and then my Previous employer filed H-1B. I got picked up and I worked for some time. And then I changed my employer. But in the meantime, I also traveled. But um, I didn't get the appointment for the stamping and whatnot. So I have to come back on our, um, you know, GCEAD status. And uh, yeah. I see. And is your husband, when he traveled, whether he traveled with you or not, is he currently in the U.S. on H-1B status? Yes. So his company, okay. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, no, you can't change your status, but you can get back into H4 status, meaning that you're going to have to travel. Um, and so you could maybe go to Mexico for the weekend. Um, you might have to go for stamping. Like, 
on this issue, whether your specifics, you might want to talk to an attorney. I'll, I'll give you kind of, you know, fact information, but, you know, specific advice for your case, you might really want to consult with an attorney. And so um, can you change status? No, you're going to have to travel. Can you get back into H4 status? I would say absolutely. Um, I'm going to put two uh, things that I want you to think about. Okay. Mm -hmm. One is that most people are going to eventually divorce themselves from the non-immigrant visa, from the H-1B, H-4, and just use the EAD and AP. Um, from the employer's perspective, there's less um, overhead, there's less cost. And then from your perspective, you're able to work and travel with, I would say, more freedom than the H-1B, right? Because all you need is that approved EAD, AP so card. So what are... that's just my, my general yeah, yeah, thought. I and then the other that, thing... That... That is was it, is my working important thought. to you right now? Like if you go to H4, is working going to be important to you? Or yes, you kind of, absolutely. Okay. No. With that said, you're going to have to file the H4 EAD. And that's going right. to take four to six months to get approved. And so if work's important to you, maybe going to H4 isn't the best. Why? Because you need the EAD to work, right? right? And so... Yes that's already accomplished on your GC EAD. And so I, I know you said like maybe some peace of mind in case the GC gets rejected or so something what, like what that. What are the chances? Have you already got, yeah, I mean, it's, it's for, if they've given you the receipt notices for the 485, mm -hmm. that means that the case is processing. And the only way that they're really going to deny the case is if you and your mm -hmm. husband, you or your husband go out and commit some crimes, meaning that you're inadmissible. Uh right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so as long as you're not going out and committing crimes, like I would say to you, like you really don't have anything to worry about for your GC in terms of it being approved. Um, they might take forever, you know, we'll throw quotes around yeah, that, I mean, how the Indian situation we, is, but have been generally like speaking, yeah, yeah. And I'll say like one more thing too is think about the universe of Indians who are in the U.S. just waiting for the moment to even file that 485, right? So like you're in a the 5% who's already got it. Like you're in a very golden spot. You've got the EAD and the AP. And so most people in your shoes, I would say like they're done with the H1B as soon as, you know, as soon as they possibly can, they're done with it. But to your point, if you want to use the H4, yeah, you can get back into it. Uh, you might have to go get an H4 stamp. Uh, that's going to be like the specifics of your case. Um, that's why I would want you to talk to an attorney. Uh, but then on the other side is like, as soon as you get back in, you're not going to have any income, your own personal right. income coming right. until that EAD gets approved, right? And so it's just things to think about from a, no, I mean, am I going to put I... myself in a harm situation? You can do the H4. Like, that's not a problem at all. People do that, right? I would say like 30% of people, 40% of people do that. Um, but on the other side, I would also say like, it's probably unnecessary. And when I say probably like 95, 90, 98% unnecessary. The only concern that, is, right? you know, that thin line, if our H1, like the, the GC processing get, you know, if we get denied for some, uh, you know, out of the blue reason that that's the only concern. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the reality of the, the backup is that we maybe need to plan for with when we deal with USCIS. So yeah, it is nice to have that H1B, H4 as a fallback, as a safety net, if the government makes a stupid decision, right? Because then we can just refile mm -hmm. the, the 485. Um, and so that is a consideration, you know, that your family would want to have. But on the balance, I would say it's likely not a situation you would find yourself in. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so 
Um, just take that for what it's worth. But on, on your specific, what do I need to do specifically to get into H4? Take a time with an attorney so they can give you the exact steps so they can perfectly guide you on that. But in terms okay. of information, absolutely, you can get back into H4. Got it. All right. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Neeraj Sharma. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm good, Neeraj. How are you, sir? Good, good. I uh, had a quick question around uh, uh, extension of the I-94 date. My mother is visiting here in the U.S. Uh, on her B2 visa, tourist visa. I'm a citizen. I filed uh, for her green card. So her I-130 and I-485, I did the concurrent filing. Um, I She also went through her biometrics as well last month. So now we are sort <laughs> of just in the waiting period of, you know, uh, it says three months for her I-130 to get approved. Mm -hmm. um, my her six months tourist visa or her I nine four expires on the I think the fifteenth of August. About two weeks. I, yeah. Was, yeah. So my question was uh, around: Do I need to really file an extension uh, for her stay uh, while you know the AOS is in process, or should I not file it? Okay. So I'm going to make one point, and then I'll like expand on that point just a little further, and I think that should give you. Um, the clarity on it. So your I-94 is one way that you have lawful presence, right? And so you're allowed to stay up until this point or you've got to leave. Now, if you have a pending AOS case, that mm -hmm. also provides lawful presence. So even if her I-94 on the B-2 expires, as long as her AOS case is pending, no issues there at all. And so that that in and of itself provides the lawful presence. She, she'll have a long expired I-94 probably by the time her 485 is approved, but when she filed it, her I-94 was approved and then she had a pending case once the, you know, once the, the B-2 expired. And so uh, I'll say you probably don't need to file the extension one because of what I just said, the 485 mm -hmm. gives her lawful presence no matter what, right? And then on the other side of the coin, they're probably going to deny the B-2, because they're going to say, hey, you've already expressed your immigrant intent, lady. Like, you've already filed your 485. Uh, right. We're going to deny this thing. And so to avoid the, the money that you're going to shell out to pay for that extension, just keep it in your back pocket. You guys go have a nice dinner or something, because the purpose is that you're interested in serving. You're, you've already served them by filing the 485. And so I would just say, let the, you know, let August 12th or August 15th come. As long as she has that 485 in her pocket, she's good to go. Sounds good. One more follow-up question on that, uh, and thanks for clarifying that first question. Uh, I also filed her uh, advanced parole, the I-131 application as well, uh, although a few of my uh, friends have uh, mentioned that it's not a good idea for her to step out of the country because it probably goes back in a in a long queue. Right now, it's showing three months period. Uh, I'm, I've been Yeah, don't have her travel years. until the mm -hmm. I-131 is approved. Once the I-131 is, I is approved, she can travel, and that's just allow that that approval allows her to travel while the GC is pending. And then once the GC is approved, she no longer needs that. She just presents her GC card at the border, and she's good to go. And so, uh, do not let her go out uh, until she has that I one thirty one approval in her pocket. And after that, I would say she doesn't have any concerns. Well, even even, that, even if I mean... this B even if this B issue is going on. Okay. E even after that gets approved, would it would it not uh, would her priority date or not the priority date, but her processing not really change to a much longer period because it goes back in the queue? Uh, it shouldn't. No, it really shouldn't. Um, I've never heard that uh, rumor that that you maybe mentioned. 
okay. I can see I can see why people might think that, but from my perspective, I don't I don't think that you get you know stuck in a different spot in the queue or anything like that just because you travel. You're allowed to travel, um, and it's not like they. We, sometimes we give the government too much credit, or I should say people kind of on your side of the desk maybe give the government too much credit. They don't really link up the I-130 travel with a pending 485. It's just a border agent says, okay, uh, here's the I-131 that's approved. Okay, come back in. That doesn't mean that the service center has any linkage or has any, really any idea about any of that. And so uh, it's oftentimes with USCIS, the left hand has no idea what the right hand is doing. Got it. Well, thanks, uh, Ryan. Thanks for clarifying these questions. appreciate it. All right, Niraj. Thanks so much. Yeah, hi, Ryan. Ryan, good, good evening. Yeah, I have hi, posted. Uh, yeah, hi, I have posted my question in the Google Sheet. It's regarding about H-1B amendment is filed by my employer on April 2023. Okay. So last month uh, I had a site visit. Uh, working, uh, I'm working uh, uh, remotely from my home office. So, you know, um, they sent some questionnaire. I have responded to them. And also I came to know from my employer and client manager. They reached out to my client manager as well. So they respond. So now I'm doing my work with uh, in the project daily work routine. So now mm -hmm. I'm uh, can we expect some positive news? I'm waiting for the status on that case, H-1B amendment case. When this was DHS, was this uh, an FDNS officer visit? June twenty seventh, I think so. One month ago. No, was was the office that visited them? Was it was it called FDNS? Yes, you're right. Correct. Okay. Okay. Um, I think a lot of these visits that we're seeing is to make other people happy and i don't mean that like in a bad way but it's a way to show like hey we're doing immigration enforcement that doesn't mean that there's any negative impacts that come from that and like i'll say if if you're doing you know what you should be doing and if the company is doing what they should be doing there's no worries like some of our clients who we hold their feet to the fire to make sure that they're always doing the right thing they still get these site visits right and so for us like it's no we don't lose any sleep over it we tell them what they need to hear and they go on because we know that everything is, is done properly and so if if you and your heart of hearts think that the company is doing what they need to be doing i don't have any concerns with it right um these fdns site visits these i9 compliances we're seeing a lot more of it um but ultimately you know, this is me being cynical. We, it's a bureaucracy and a bureaucracy is one way to create jobs. And so if I can just send people out doing busy work, you know, investigating, you know, quote unquote, investigating these things, um, it makes us as a USCIS and then the Department of Labor look like we're strong, right? Even if we're not really doing anything, we're still doing okay. something. And so like, I don't think you need to lose sleep over it. These visits happen quite a bit. And so, oh. um, as long as, you know, and, and I would say like the fact that you might have filed the amendment and then they showed up, I don't really even think that has any bearing on your H-1B. When they do these visits, it's not typical that they're really interested so much in you or your H-1B. They're more interested yeah. to see that the company is is being compliant and doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, and like ultimately, these things are uh, investigatory, not investigatory, they're um, data gathering. Right. And okay. so it's not really that they're looking to punish anyone. Really, they're looking to say, OK, you're doing this wrong. We're going to teach you how to do this right. 
so that you're in compliance. That's oftentimes what we see. So maybe the company was doing something like not perfect. They'll be reminded like, hey, this is the way that you guys should be doing things and the company will correct it. Um, but other than that, like I would tell you, like, don't don't lose any sleep over it. Okay. If if you think that everything is going okay, you know, that they're doing what they should be doing. Okay, okay, okay. I can continue my work, right? With my client, no issues. Yeah, no issues at all. As long as your H1B okay. is valid, no, oh, okay. no problem yes. at all. Yeah, my H1B is valid up to 2025. So yeah, you're good. good. You're good. Until you until you get a denial, you're good. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Rian. I'm thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Hey, hi, Ryan. So I have a question with regards to my, uh, recently I have uh, made a H1 transfer. Like I applied for that. Uh, like I'm about to complete my uh, 60 degrees period. So my question is I already reported to uh, like a DOL uh, with regards to my pay stubs. They are, uh, my old yes. employer is not providing my pay stubs. So how much time does, uh, does they take time uh, uh, for them to respond to that? So they just haven't paid you at all, or is it just like the actual like the the pay uh, they, stub hasn't been delivered uh, my to you. Pay, my last pay is on June second, and uh, they haven't mm. provided me pay stubs. But the, has the money hit your bank account? Uh yes, I I provided uh, bank okay. statements uh, for that. Okay, um, I don't. To, so to answer your question, I don't really even know if the Department of Labor is going to pay that any credence not that like what you're saying isn't a problem for you but i just think from their perspective it's like hey you've got the money what's your problem you know what i'm saying it's like i think that's how they'll see it um and so from for the pay stubs like your company should be providing them to you but i don't actually know if there's like from an immigration perspective whether they actually have to provide those to you um because they've paid you right like in and there should be a paper trail do they use like a paychecks or a like a uh, an ADP system perhaps, or is it like the lady in the front office just writes a check every two weeks for your for your income? You know what I'm saying? Uh, like yes. how how do they how do they issue the pay? ADP, uh, but uh, they haven't provided me the access, so I have raised already with W. I have filled the WH four form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would maybe contact ADP. And, and say like, hey, I was like, and they'll ask for, you know, some identifying information, but I would probably try to go through them because it would be that company who has the paychecks, the pay stubs, and it's your name. Like you'll be able to tell them your social number, your date of birth and all these things to link you back to this case. Um, and so for me, like try it through the company, try it through ADP. I just don't think that the Department of Labor, that's not really their um their legal focus, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, maybe put your efforts somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But I heard that my attorney said that uh, there'll be like a notice of intent to deny or RFE for uh, this case if I provide the bank statements. I don't know how much it is correct. What what type of case are you working on? Uh, H1 transfer. So, mm -hmm. um, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, maybe you could, I don't think you'd get annoyed um, the pay statements typically show um, that you've been paid, which is most important. And so like the bank statements or the, the pay stubs, that's the easiest way to show it. But if you can show, you know, that the money hit your bank account, um, I think that's going to be good. Maybe you'll get an RFE saying like, hey, kind of explain this, but it's explainable. Like, hey, I, I can't get into my ADP system. My company, for whatever reason, is not providing me these, these documents. Have you gone to the company by chance to ask for them? 
Uh, I mean, working remote. I'm thinking to go uh, like uh, next week uh, and ask them. Yeah, contact uh, so the company because they they should have them. Like that should be the easiest way. And if not, go to ADP. Okay, I will try to uh, get it through ADP. That is another chance. Yeah, okay, thank you. Perfect. Thanks, Manender. Shweta, you there? Shweta, Shweta, Pratibhan. This is Ram. Can I ask my question? Um, I'm here. This is Shweta. Yes, Shweta. Go ahead, please. um i'm on h1b visa right now um and my work location is in seattle washington um i did receive uh, exception to work from uh, massachusetts and i've been doing that for the past 8 uh, months uh, my h1b location is still washington though and uh, today i was told during the company audit that uh, i should have changed my location to uh, Uh, Massachusetts. I was wondering what are the tax implication or any immigration implication because of that. Uh, you may. I mean, this is something I think you should really dig in with with an attorney and get a consultation on. So, if your LCA allowed for it, um, that's a like if, it, if the LCA allowed for Massachusetts work, then then you would be fine. If you were working outside of what the LCA is going to allow for. then that's a violation of of the status um and it's an easy fix you just go for stamping again because your 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 visa is essentially no good anymore uh it doesn't create any bars for you or anything like that but technically you have violated the status uh it's easy to fix uh it, it essentially you travel and get and get a new stamp uh but this is an issue i think you should really dig in with an immigration attorney on so that they can give you exactly precise what are you up against and and how do you fix it it's an easy fix but this is something i think you should you should have a consultation with someone about um, yeah so why why is this an issue with the stamping sorry i didn't get that uh so if you violate your status it 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 voids the visa right meaning that you've you've got to go get another stamp and essentially go for the interview they're going to give you the stamp but that's that's what you're up against um so uh, so my manager and the skip level manager everyone signed off on this one um so mm-hmm. would that still an impact on me the impact is that you're not technically in a valid h4 status or h1b status um and so i would say like one first and foremost like talk to an attorney so that they can look at your lca and see if it's mm-hmm. allowable uh if it's not then you know you're probably going to have to go get a new visa stamp uh, and get a, get a new LCA done um so, so do i need to refile the LCA and then uh, yeah like that would likely be the case yeah okay okay thank you thank you swetha we'll try to get a few more questions in guys so suda are you there this is a good question suda Yes hi uh, hi Ryan and uh, thanks for taking my call. Um I I think I posted the question already. Yeah yeah um and so uh when does it expire uh your 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 EAD? Uh January 20. So this is the, this is the EAD AP you're talking about? Yes combo card. Okay. Okay. Um okay so right now until the end of October if you file it you get automatic 540 days and so right now in this window you can file because it's it's within the 6 months and so if you file today through october 25th you'll get a 540 day extension automatic you don't need the approval of the second ead 
don't travel because you need the EAD, you need the AP approved to travel. But to keep working, um, you'll get 540 days if you file it before October 26th. If you wait until October 26th to file it, it goes back to the original 180 day rule. So for you, probably best to file it ASAP uh, so that if you come to January of next year, in the back of your mind, you have 540 days to go if you don't have the approval in hand versus if you wait uh, three months and file it at the end of October, you'll only have 180 days. And so, um, and then on the question where to send it to, you live in Texas, I think um, you would send it back to uh, the Dallas Service Center. Uh, I have a checklist in front of me here quickly. Um, Thanks for your patience. Yeah, you would send it to the Louisville address. Uh, that's up in Dallas. Yeah. Um, one more question is for the uh, driver's license uh, renewal. Uh, we have driver's license uh, till January until the end of uh, EAD. Uh, if we don't get the you know approval by then, how do we extend our uh, you know travel kind of uh, you know driver's license? Mm -hmm. My, so my understanding of Texas is that you have to prove lawful presence. Uh, so that's not necessarily proved by your EAD or by your advanced parole. It's proved in your situation by your 485 receipt notice. So your 485 receipt notice should be what the government, the Texas government looks at uh, to give you the extension. I'm not sure how long they'll give it for. I know that they do have kind of certain rules for aliens and how long they'll allow maybe two years, maybe 18 months, but that document, the 485 receipt notice should be what the government looks at for your proof of lawful presence. And that's what's going to get you the driver's license. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate sure. your answer. All right, everybody. So we're at, we're at the, the mark. Uh, I do apologize if we weren't able to get to your questions, but we'll be holding the call again next week. So uh, please do join. And if you haven't joined our uh, telegram, uh, do so. Um, you can send me a quick email, ryan at rnlawgroup.com. I can send you the link for the telegram. We kind of do the same thing that we do here. Uh, you text across a question and we try to answer it. That way, it's not a, a video interface like this. That's one way that you guys can get some questions answered, you know, some basic questions without having to sit on online and uh, hope, you know, hope that we come to you because we try to answer every question that comes to the telegram app. So thanks, everybody. Uh, we appreciate uh, your attendance and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.